Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane. Drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are, lis- you are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm your host, Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and visit us online at HiveTalkLive.com. You can listen to us live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. at HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to listen to Hornets talk anytime, anywhere. And, David, I'm ready to officially announce this, okay? What's up, Doug? We're, we're doing a Saturday show. It's on. It's called our Saturday sit-down, and, and we premiered the sort of – we've been toying around with it in the off-season, pre-season, but we released the first like official one where – it might be me, it might be you, it might be both of us, and we we jab for a little bit, talk about the week that was, and then we have an interview. So it's a good mix. It's sort of like a mini show, mini live show. It's taped. We release it on Saturdays. Again, you can check out the first one on HiveTalkLive.com. We sat down with... NASCAR driver, Xfinity Series driver, Ty Dillon. It was a fun interview. He is a uh, North Carolina native. He's a Hornets fan. He's married to a honeybee, Haley. So he has the Hornets connection. What's that? What's that grin on your face? No, no, no. That's good. I'm, I'm happy to hear you know two people in love. <laughs> That's good. All right, so I have a portion of, of that interview. Uh, let's play it. I think probably our draft pick, Frank Kaminsky, just what he was able to do. Uh, I should probably intro this clip. That's what normal. That's yeah, what what's we going on in this clip, though? <laughs> All right. Uh, so I asked Ty who he was most excited about, which new addition Ty was most excited about when it came to the Hornets. And here's what he had to say. I think probably our draft pick, Frank Kaminsky, just what he was able to do. Uh, He's a, a raw point scorer, and, and he makes things happen with the basketball. And it looks like in the preseason, he was doing a good job of distributing the ball, too. So that's exciting to see for a big guy. And uh, I know Nick Batum, I, I remember watching him, and, and his three-point three shooting ability is pretty awesome. So we've kind of needed that in the past, take a little pressure off Kemba and, and Big Al, and, and I think it'll be good for our team. So Ty Dillon, excited about the new addition, Frank Kaminsky. He's all over it. Well, he knows his stuff. That's yeah. the thing. He's been on other podcasts before, and and he knows about the Hornets. He knows about the Panthers. He keeps close tabs on these things despite you know, having a full slate uh, with his, his driving career. If you want to listen to the full interview, check it out, hivetalklive.com. It's our uh, latest Saturday 
sit down. Also want to mention this, we're doing our first remote live show, meaning if you're in the Charlotte area, you can come out and and see us do our thing live. This is part of the Charlotte versus everybody event put on by Bring Back the Buzz and Fitzgerald's Charlotte. It's going to be at Fitzgerald's November 7th, 6.30 p.m. Fitzgerald's uh, Pub. It's on 5th Street, right down the street from Time Warner Cable Arena, November 7th, 6.30 p.m. We start at 7 o'clock p.m., but we'll be there at 6.30. There's going to be art. We do the show. Then the Hornets play the Spurs in San Antonio at nine o'clock. So right. it's, I mean, come come for Hive Talk Live, stay for the Hornets game, see some local Charlotte art. So there's going to be cool stuff to look at. Uh, other if, than if us, the yeah, sounds th- aren't good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. because we're in radio for a reason, David. Although I'll <laughs> say you, you have very nice hair, and <laughs> and and people have commented on my hair, and it hasn't been extremely positive, and I understand Stop that. Stop it. So come for David's hair. Tell us and, what you think about the hair, guys. November seventh. <laughs> It'll be a fun time. It'll be fun. Hey, Fitzgerald shares a wall with uh, the Wake Forest School of Business. So I don't know if you're familiar with downtown. There's a big Wake Forest logo on the building mm-hmm. right there. I spent some time in that building on both sides of that wall. So it'll be good to get back there. That's that's good. Yeah, yeah. And they have a Hornets theme bar. Yeah. We'll be set up right beside it. So you can come check that out. Again, if you're in the Charlotte area, November 7th, 6.30 p.m. Very cool thing. Yeah. Hey, we got a big show. Uh, Adam Chin, editor of Baseline Buzz, will be on at 6.20 in about 15 minutes, going to be talking about a lot of things. He's got a lot wait. on I his mind. I can't wait to hear what he's got going on. He, he basically, I, I talked to him before this all happened and setting this up, and not that he wasn't interested in talking about sort of preseason games, recapping what happened. but The, the normal, yeah. Right, but he's got bigger things on his mind. So that should be really interesting. I said, don't worry, leave it to us. We will recap what has happened in this preseason. Pre- the thing is, David, too, preseason is so weird in the NBA. I mean, the starters... It's there, but it's not there. Right. <laughs> the starters, I thought about this. The starters probably play a larger percentage of the games than any of the three major sports. Major, oh, for sure. In the fourth quarter, no less, you know? Right. But it's toughest to see in in, in small to medium local markets. I mean, take the Knicks, or and I say small to medium local markets because take the take the Knicks at Hornets game, mm-hmm. okay? It's, mm-hmm. it's in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. The New York crew was there mm-hmm. for their local TV. Right. As the, for the Bulls game as well. Their local crew is there. That's that's how I got to see it. So thank you, Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least I mean, Much if you're obliged. a league pass subscriber, good on you. Is that what it was? Okay, so it was I league so. pass. So, I think so so were you? Did you see this game? I went. Yes, I you went. were at the game. I was at even better. Both of these games. Okay, yeah. So I guess it was league pass. If that had kicked in, then you could see it. And sometimes I've never done this, wink. But apparently there are like in-game, in-arena feeds that go out and and are somehow displayed on on like computers sketchy. you mean yeah like okay this, I don't, yeah, you're I talking wanna, about the dark internet i don't want to get into it uh, the, yeah i don't want to the dark net right um but you need like three ad blockers on your browser to to even access these websites right but that but that's it shouldn't take that right 
Yeah, and why you would think because if an if an in arena feed is is happening, there's a feed. There's a feed available. <laughs> there are cameras I rolling. I don't know. I, I don't get it. You know what's cool though? I, I was I happened to be in my car coming back from dinner, uh, a birthday dinner for my dad. Uh, happy birthday, big guy! Big birthday is today. Shout out! But uh, but uh, last night, uh, Steve Martin on the call, of course. Radio broadcast, yes. TV broadcast, no. Okay. And I'll say this, this will maybe be the final thought here. Here's radio broadcast uh, are okay, are, are good. I mean, they, they tell you what's happening in the game. Especially Steve Martin radio broadcast. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't, you, you gotta, you gotta love Steve sure, Martin, right? Sure. But you really need to see preseason action even more than regular season action because it's, it's mostly about seeing who's playing together. It's not know. necessarily about like individual statistics what yeah. happens play to play well, specifically this year right. there's so much change yeah I, I don't get it i don't know so and, and, tv and, viewing the game becomes even more important and, and they have a new tv crew we've we've, we've gone <laughs> it doesn't i know change. i you know, know. I know. It, hey I know. you know what two more and then you know we don't have anything else to talk about india <laughs> nothing we're just gonna go off we're the air gonna be, it's <laughs> we're, gonna be it. <laughs> we're just a preseason podcast anyway pack it in okay so uh let's talk about these these two preseason games uh they come back from china they don't get much rest before they have to go up against the Knicks, but um, the Knicks deciding to rest Carmelo. They rested uh, three starters, I think, all told, uh, Robin Lopez and then Calderon. I think they rested him as well. Mm -hmm. So this became a bench battle at the end with Frank, Damian Wilkins, Brian Roberts all stepping up for the Hornets, and that's good. I mean, it's good to have those guys uh, in a position where they have to scratch, claw, uh, fight this thing out. Yeah, you know, like you said, it's so difficult to tell exactly what is going on in the preseason. For a lot of what you mentioned, especially if you don't have the stars playing, but anytime you can get the young guys game action in an NBA game, especially the rookies, especially guys like Frank, who just need to get used to the speed more than anything else, uh, that's good. And that's not what preseason is for, but that's a big part of it. So, uh, And they got to win. Listen, it's preseason. We'll touch on this, you know, uh, depending on who you talk to. It matters or it doesn't matter. I actually do think it it, it can it can have an effect and it does matter. But you just got to temper your expectations. Just matters? preseason games, the win loss record. Yeah, yeah. You think the win loss record? Um, I mean, not necessarily the win loss. Clifford record. said, "Look, it doesn't matter." It, yeah, of course. But I think for a team like this, last year's preseason was not great. Uh, last year's season was not great. So no, it doesn't necessarily carry over but i think for any group to get wins and to feel good about how you're playing is good especially for a group that's just getting to know each other so i, I think it's 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 good better than losing but yeah at the end of the day of course it doesn't mean anything right i mean look if we lose these six preseason games and we don't win them we're talking about it's a whole different fe- i mean that's yes it's a different feeling in in the larger sense winning these six means something i i, I actually think so i mean last year I was downplaying everything, and they were they were not doing well. So, you know, it didn't bode well for the season, obviously. And there was a lot more going on. But, yeah, I think it can, you know, especially if a team that's trying to gel like the Hornets are, things are going in the right direction, and they can use all of that they can get. So this Knicks game, again, the Hornets get the win, 97-93. They keep the streak alive. But because the, the Hornets starters only played 15 minutes, and <laughs> the Knicks sat so many people. By the way, why – 
the Bulls did this too. Uh, they they gave Powell. I think Mike Dunleavy had a back issue. Yeah, but they gave Powell starters rest. So with all these teams, you yeah. know, resting starters against the Hornets, I don't like it. It's preseason. That's enough out of it's you. It's preseason. All right, uh, let's talk about this Bulls game because I think that game is more important. So the Knicks game was more about uh, getting the bench guys some run. Again, seeing different playing groups playing with one another, that was important. Uh, Marvin Williams, we saw him uh, start at the three against the Knicks, and then that carried over into this Bulls game. What did you think about that? Marvin at three, Cody at four, Al at five, and then, of course, Kimba and Nick at the guard positions. I think that's what we talked about earlier in the preseason, that they would like to get Marvin some of those minutes at three. Um, Do you think it sticks, I guess, is more the more important question. I think the I think they would like to still bring Jeremy Lin to captain that second team uh, as a point guard. Not that they couldn't do that if they had him start at the two, but by putting Marvin in there at the three, um, you kind of kill two birds with one stone, and that you can still have Lin be your back, be your number two off the bench at point guard. So, um, and they know what they're getting from Marvin, as we said before. They they kind of know what they're getting from him if he can provide some of those three point shots uh, that he. You know, he did last year. He was a leading three-point shooter. But do I think it sticks? I think I think that's that's likely what you'll see on opening night. I've been impressed with Marvin. Yeah, especially good, good, pretty good preseason. Especially on the defensive end, he's looked. I mean, we talked about the weight loss, running. It's all that running, and we talked about he he switched up. Yeah, his his cardio did more cardio. <laughs> Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, but. He's looked more spry on the defensive end, and he was already a pretty good defensive player. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he was chasing guys around against the Bulls and, yeah. and getting helping to get stops against quicker guys. And so at the three position, will he be able to do offensively things that, that you would expect from like more athletic threes, being able to drive the ball? No. The no. knees aren't there to do that. But he did back down a guy. So, again, you talk about putting him at the three gives you – gives the Hornets a size advantage. Yeah, I think you're right. And you have Batum at the two. So Which you go from he, da- that's where he wants to play. Yeah. So if you go Batum down to, to Al at the five, I mean that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty tall starting five out there. You know, you still have Kemba, but that's definitely something they've wanted to see. You get some length all across the board there. So I you know, I, I kind of lean towards that happening. Um that's not a bad starting five. <laughs> You know, it's not a bad starting five, and you don't need Marvin to be to to be your 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 lead scorer in that scenario. You just need him to be out there, space the floor, which hopefully he can do with his threes, and not turn the ball over. So yeah. in this in this Bulls game, he played thirty three minutes. He was three of nine from the field, two of six from from beyond the arc, eight points. Committed a couple fouls, got in there, got got dirty, played defense. Seven rebounds, mm-hmm. uh, led the starting unit in rebounds. In fact, right. So if you got Zeller. Williams and Batum and Jefferson who's a great defensive rebound that's a great rebounding yeah. team you're going to be I mean, able to get you, some rebounds yeah there aren't many teams in the league that I can think of that are going to beat the Hornets in rebounding and they're going to need those to do five that. guys and let's go back to who that leaves out Jeremy Lin but does it really leave him out I don't think so because I it Clifford's been hinting at this all along he likes Jeremy Lin Coming off the bench mm-hmm. early and and being in there late. Yes, I was going to say. You think so that that would lead be- him to be the first guy off the bench? Maybe because look, it's not always about who your starting five is. Not especially not when you when you don't have when when there's some, a superstar. Yeah, 
Yeah. You have to find waves of guys mm-hmm. and, and and playing groups that can come in, not just in the first and the third, but but in different points in the game where you're offering something different. Yeah, and I, I went over this with some folks on Twitter last week, and Clifford mentioned this, and, and Rick Bunnell wrote about this in, in a piece in The Observer last week. The option to have Walker, Batum, and Lynn out there at all gives you three guys who can handle – the ball and create the offense so it was actually framed in a way of of, of starting those three uh, which is enticing but as someone pointed out correctly to me and, and I just mentioned if you put Lynn in that starting lineup then you kind of lose him as the as the captain of that second team running the point there so then what do you do there you, you can still make it work um, but I think that's the downside to it but if you have Lynn first guy off the bench and then stays in, you know, a little bit to run with the second team, that could work too. So I still think they're trying to figure some things out, but it's nice to have those options. It's nice to have more than one person out there that can create and run the offense. Well, these these last three games were set up by Steve Clifford as these are games where we're trying to get playing groups solidified, where we're trying to get rotation solidified. And it was a little weird against the Bulls because P.J. Harrison and Troy Daniels both coming off injuries. Clifford wanted to get those guys some run. So – you're probably not going to see Troy get 15 minutes no. if he makes the team. Uh, but I thought PJ did just enough. He, he did what he needed to do. He, he, I, You know what's weird about the NBA, too? I feel like it's one game. Like, sometimes you have to come in. And, and the perfect example of this is PJ and Troy. They both kind of had one game to say, this is what I can offer the team. And that's 17 and 15 minutes of their lives, respectively, that will alter the course of their entire year. Troy struggled mightily. PJ did just enough to say, I, I can be a piece in this rotation. It's it's pretty impressive from PJ because he was scoring. He struggled a little bit on defense, but he also had a couple of good defensive plays. And, and they he did a little passing, too. Yeah, they obviously look at him in practice, of course, and they know both these guys, but especially – with the injuries early on, I mean, PJ needed to have a solid game. He needed to have a game. You got. I mean, look, you, yeah. practice is practice. You got to come out and, and prove yeah. that not you can get at into all. game action yeah. and compete. Not playing at all in China, um, not being able to go. He needed to come out there, be healthy, and have a good game and have something to point to and have something the coaches would, re- would remember. Two for three from three, four for five overall, so he needed that. Coming up, we're going to talk to Adam Chen from Baseline Buzz. He's got some interesting thoughts on Hornets philosophy, the philosophy of Hornets. It's tricky. Well, we'll talk to him in a few minutes. Just want to keep on this Bulls-Hornets game because I think, first of all, we didn't even say it, the Hornets got the win, 94 to 86. Do you even have to? I mean, do you have to? That's kind of a given now. Right. 6-0. Right. But but you got to get the the basic (laughs) information out there, okay? So, uh, and I was saying this to somebody the Hornets scored 94 points. They didn't even get to the Papa John's 95 pizza score. But with all of the three-pointers and the pace of the game, the perceived score, like if you were watching the game, if you were lucky enough to find a feed or <laughs> you were there, the perceived score was much higher. It felt like they scored 104. 33 in the first quarter by both teams. Yeah, and then things started to slow down. The defenses yeah. sort of figured things out. But – it felt like the Hornets were playing a much more exciting, much more fun brand of basketball. So even when they scored 94, it felt like 104. Well, they are, you know, and you got to, that's the question. Is this going to go into the regular season? Is this new offensive style 
going to stick. I mean, it certainly hasn't gone away in the preseason. I can't imagine when things get real, they 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 go away. <laughs> they hamstring. Let's back it, it down. Let's back yeah, it down. guys. Let's let's chill out here. I mean, you saw it. It was, you know, that fourth quarter was a little. Uh, there was some scrambling going on. Uh, it was a tight game, but you know, you'd have in one possession what like four three pointers from from Marvin and Kemba, and they finally got one to go in. But they were getting some of those rebounds. Um, so yeah, but they're they're firing away. I mean, it's it's completely different outlook from the Hornets this year. Uh, also a little news, little injury news. So Kimba had the scare, ended up being a mm. bruised heel. He did return. Jeremy Lamb uh, had what looks to be a sprain, yeah, spraining his ankle in the game. Uh, he did not practice this morning, and he will be held out of action Wednesday night as a precaution, but they don't think it's serious, which is good news for the Hornets. I mean, he's done for the preseason. Oh, yeah. 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 I would think. I, That's I, not official. I would just – I would think so. That's I what I vote as for. As a precaution. If you'll send the votes in to Coach Clifford, me, and you. Tweet, yeah, tweet us uh, <laughs> at Hive Talk Live. Tweet your votes, and we'll send them on to uh, Steve. We're on first name basis. Steve. <laughs> you know what? You know where the first place I saw Steve Clifford in Charlotte? Uh, Wake Forest building. I don't know. <laughs> Fitzgerald's. That's exactly right. <laughs> there you go. And guess who knew who he was? Well, me. The only did. person in the building. I think people know who he is now. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I think he's a little more well-known now than he was then. Oh, absolutely. I would hope so in Charlotte. I'm just saying probably most people weren't taking peeks at the Lakers bench for the assistant coaches at that time. Okay, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair. That's fair. All right, let's get to the Hive Talk Live hotline where uh, uh, Adam from Baseline Buzz has been uh, patiently waiting on us. Adam, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, what's up, guys? Where are you right now? Thanks where in the world me. is Adam Chin? Oh, man, I got back from New York, um, and then I'm in D.C. right now, but I'm, you know, I was in Asia, traveling oh. overseas uh, for a while. Yeah, big shot, right? Hey, I saw R.J. Hunter. I tweeted this out. I saw R.J. Hunter in, my, in the hotel lobby. How is he? Um, in New York. What's he up to? What's he up to? He called me. Listen, listen, guys. He called me <laughs> sir. I was really? Like, I was like, are you R.J. Hunter? He's like, yes, sir. Yes, yes, I am, sir. And I was like, dude, I'm so old. I am so old. Maybe he's just um, really respectful. He is. He was like a nice guy. Yeah, I had a little talk with him. I told him I told him I thought he was gonna be a hornet. He was like, Yeah, people love me down there. I thought I was too. Um that was a total tangent. I don't know why we're talking about that. That's okay. Uh, yeah. He's had a yeah. successful preseason. Yeah. A lot of those yeah, guys for the yeah, Celtics. I hope he doesn't Yeah, I hope he doesn't come back and bite us because you know, he was one of those picks that uh, Celtics were, you know, apparently gonna trade Wait, was there was there a trade on the was there a trade? I didn't hear anything offered? about this. Adam. Yeah, can you can you expound? There on was this, uh, there was they were going to trade every draft pick for the next twenty years, every first round pick uh, for Frank Kaminsky and, and that that dummy Michael Jordan, you know, the general manager. I turned him down. The uh, general, you know, was Tom Brady part of this trade package? <laughs> Tom Brady was was part of that too. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That all was right. all sarcasm, people. If you don't know, that was all sarcasm. Sure, um, Adam. What do you think about this team? This is a different team. This is a different Hornets team. Um, man, it's okay. So check this out. I've been doing some homework, and I, they are different, but they are also the same. Okay, so Go here's on. my take. Okay, you guys, are you guys ready? I'm ready. So I finally caught up. <laughs> I finally caught up on the preseason games. Go back and watch them. Hmm. And if you look at the stuff that they're doing on defense. It's, it's very similar to last year. Like, this, through six preseason games, 
they're still a really good defensive rebounding team. You, you mentioned that earlier, Doug. Um, they're, I think they're actually number, number one in the, uh, in the NBA in the preseason in defensive rebounds per game. They're, uh, they're not going for steals in the bottom five, I think, bottom five in blocks. Very Steve Clifford-esque basketball there. No offensive rebounds, really, to speak of. They're very, very low ranking there. But what makes them different, of course, is on the offensive side, three-point percentage, three-point attempts. They're like number one or number two in three-point percentage. I'm wow. sorry, the number number attempts. Number three. Three or four, yeah. I'm looking at the NBA right now, NBA.com. Okay. And, and attempts, they're like up there. Attempts, they're something like, yeah, right now I've got it in front of me. They're in the like 10 to 11 range. And the last couple of games, they were shooting something like, they shot 30 in, in Shanghai, I believe. Um, in a game, and, and um, they're just launching them. That's so unclifford like I mean, I, 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 and they're making them. And Jeremy Lin is like 56% from three-point land. It's, it's crazy. This is, this is unlike any Steve Clifford team I've seen before. Adam, can I ask you, can I ask you a question? I'll ask this to everyone, David. Um, do you think Clifford last season told the guys, look, if one of you mothers shoots a three, I'm coming after you, you know what taking I hate? you straight to the court. Like, I, I don't think that happened. I just think the personnel wasn't there and the, the confidence wasn't there. I don't know if that was necessarily a schematic thing. No, and he, uh, he yeah, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. And he, he, he talked about that, especially late in the season. You got to take them to make them. I mean, that was one of the things that we heard from him. So, wait, I stole that from him. Damn it. I thought, yeah. I thought well, it was which, original. Which a nice, nice segue, David. A nice segue, David, to this next point I wanted to make. And I, I have a feeling. I, I know that Cody's going to start the season at power forward. Uh, but I think, I think in an ideal world, Frank is starting by the All-Star break. Maybe sooner. Because really? of what you just said. You've got to take him to make him. And as much as I've liked what, you know, what Cody's done thus far uh, in, in the preseason, he's just so hesitant. He's, it, he's still got that hesitation, and he gives the defense so much time to react to him, right? Because he's going to think before the shot, obviously, and oftentimes think before the pass. Whereas Frank, I think Frank's shooting like 30%, 33% from uh, three-point land. He's not, he's not hitting at a high percentage, but he just launches them. They're just going right up, and, it, and it's kind of freaking the opposing defense out. So I, I think even though defensively that's going to be a challenge, obviously with uh, staying in front of pick and rolls with, with uh, Frank and Al, I, I, I think that he's going to be the starter at some point this, this season. Yeah, Cody finally had a bad preseason game against the Bulls, 0 for 3, only played uh, 20 minutes, uh, one point, uh, did have four rebounds in limited minutes, and – the thing with Cody, he gives you that rebounding boost, but but I think you're right. He, he might be a little hesitant offensively, but your most important point is that defensively, it is a struggle for it was a struggle for him in that Bulls game, and I think that's part of the reason he may have uh, seen limited minutes because Miritich and, and Snell hmm. uh, were both taking it to Cody, and <clears throat> Frank was able to. Again, it, it's sort of two different things because Frank, you're going to get beat on strength. And Cody, it's nice to have both those players because they sort of oppositely. Yeah, Portis was kind of giving Frank the business there. Yeah, exactly. So there on. you go. You have the two dichotomies there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that they were playing the Bulls last night. I think I think that's like the big rotation in the NBA that most resembles 
what Charlotte has going in a lot of ways because Frank is going to be like your, your mirror stitch, right? And then Cody is a lot like Taj Gibson and that he's kind of this jack of all trades, uh-huh. master of none, utility big. And I could see that as being his ultimate role as he's like that third big that cycles in that can guard guys that can do a little bit of everything, super high efficiency, low usage. Uh, I mean, look at, look at Cody's steal goal percentage this uh this preseason he's shooting 76 percent from the field well, he's only taking three and a half shots as a starter good. mainly right yeah yeah I and, bet he's taking, he won't shoot the ball right so you know well he's an he, ideal Taj Gibson guy I think you're right if he if he's if he shows that hesitation especially in the regular season games especially if you know he's out there in the three-point line with open, open shots and doesn't take them I mean they will have a, a talk with him and I think it's interesting we were talking about Marvin Williams a little earlier playing him at the three maybe that allows you, you know, to go in and out with Cody and, and Frank there. If you can lean on Marvin a little more to kind of, you know, be a, be a, at least a rebounder in there and maybe maybe clog it up a little bit on defense if you can get down there in the paint too. But that's an interesting call. I mean, that's certainly one to, to look out for. And this thus far during the season, you would think Cody certainly has a leg up. Um, but they've got, yeah, I mean, and we mentioned earlier, you know, if this carries over into the regular season, this – this new brand of offense, this firing away at three pointers, they got to have guys out there who are going to shoot it. So that's going to be something to watch for. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really, it's a very different team on offense, but I think defensively, you know, if Clifford, if Clifford gets his team into the playoffs and I personally am very optimistic that they will get into the playoffs. I mean, he's this, this is like a a Bill Belichick type coaching job. You know what I'm saying? This is a coach first system, like a coach defense. The defense is the coach. And and uh, he'll definitely get Coach of the Year uh, votes, if not win the award outright, if that happens. But oh, uh, yeah. guys, how 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 smooth is Nick Batum? You you enjoy watching Nick Batum so far this preseason? I have I have some concerns. Yeah, but but he has been a joy to watch in terms of his passing. And we talk about hesitation. That that man has no hesitation when it comes to shooting the three. He's very confident in his abilities. Maybe a little too confident in his ball handling and we've seen a couple of uh, of four turnover games for for Nick Batum and I thought he struggled a little bit in that Bulls game to to keep the ball in his hands but but yeah I mean Batum again you just didn't have that passing ability last season for the Hornets especially out of the two spot yeah. no and like there's two plays last night you guys probably saw them the late the, the one where um he got a um, he got the rebound off of a Marvin miss and immediately knew where Kemba was and tossed it back out. And that three was pretty much the three that, that, that put him ahead for good. And it was so quick. It was such a winning play, you know, and I, the team just didn't have guys that could do that last year. Yeah. The thing that's going to be interesting with Batum is can he pump that scoring up a little bit, you know, into closer to, you know, the 17, 18, 19, 20 points a game, because it feels like right now, at least thus far during the preseason, that he's going to continue to be that stat sheet stuffer that he was in or, uh, Portland, excuse me. But it's usually like, you know, that 14, 15 points a game, seven or eight rebounds, five or six assists, which is nothing to sneeze at, which is great. Uh, I'm just curious to see, uh, you know, the ideas that this team had for him coming in, if that if those points are going to be enough but for if what you, they want from but the if you have But if you have guys like Lynn and Lamb yeah. and – Hoss to a certain extent and Kaminsky developing. I don't know if necessarily you need that. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, not. I, I'd be shocked. I, I'd be shocked if the team averaged any close to that. I think he's yeah. going to be more like your 14, 15 points a game guy, but who's going to connect the dots? I mean, if he can just be a connect the dot guy, they've got enough players. Like the Kemba can average 18 points a game, Al has shown that he can average 20 a game. Um, and then Lynn, I mean, Lynn is having a minor Lynn Sanity revival. Um, in the preseason, and I hope it. I hope it sticks. I mean, he, he his shot looks good. The fundamentals look better. Um, like I said, he's he's shooting like fifty something percent. Let me get the exact number here. Uh, from from three um, on the on the year, which is fifty three point eight, taking two and a half a game uh, for the, for the preseason, I should say. And he just looks confident out there. He looks he you know he does the ISO stuff when he has to do it. He can he can penetrate. We knew he could do that. He's finding guys uh, once he penetrates. Um, he's he just he just seems like a veteran point guard, like a, like a really solid all around veteran point guard. He seems uh, like comfortable. A Steve Nash like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems it's, comfortable. It's just nice to watch him. And yeah, I think I think what's interesting is that in a way it seems unsustainable. This is the raw averages, the raw efficiency numbers. And that's sort of an obvious thing to say because he's shooting probably somewhere up around 60%. But I think what is sustainable is his ability to get to the line. Now, he's missed a few free throws. He could probably stand to improve there, but he's getting to the line. And that's going to be important, I think, in that second unit and to sustaining his scoring ability. Now, real quick, I have some stats here that were provided by a listener. And I want to note that I did not get time to verify these stats. So these are unofficial, uh, but here here's here are some ranks for Jeremy Lin. He's uh, among 37 uh, qualifying guards. This is courtesy of NBA.com forward slash stats, and the qualifications are eight field goals attempted, 20-plus minutes, and, and five games in the preseason. So those are pretty good qualifiers, okay? So 37 guards qualify in this list. He's tied for 24th in field goals attempted, but he's second in field goal percentage second in three-point percentage, fourth in assist-to-turnover ratio, eighth in assists, 11th in points per game. So, again, when you get tied for 24th in field goals attempted, and and, th- and he's pulling those kind of stats. So he's being aggressive, oh, yeah. he's feeling it, and you just like it because he's doing it in a variety of ways. Yeah. He's moving off ball, he's getting his own shot, as Derek James pointed out, uh, on at the hive.com he's finding success at the top of the key so he's found a comfort zone and those are all important things because we don't see it very often in charlotte that's why they're important yeah i, I just wish the other jeremy would take some some notes because that's the guy who's frustrating me the one guy in the preseason who, who i wish i wish would just step it up because he's got this opportunity that's been delivered on this platter, just in front of him, MKG goes down. We need another wing. He's got athleticism and that can that can guard uh, potentially another team's uh, the top scorer. And and Lamb has all the physical tools, you know, that you'd want in a wing, right? He's a little thin, but he's got the length and he's got the smooth stroke. And he just looks like he's completely lost sometimes, and it's sad because I I really want that guy to uh, Jeremy Lamb to to really excel because i think he's got the he's got the the tool set it's just he seems like he's mentally not there what do you guys think i i just don't think that he's getting to that extra gear on defense and especially in the pick and roll he gets eaten alive in the pick and roll can't see it makes 
the wrong decision sometimes and then can't seem to fight over picks. And he's got a, like an awkward, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he seems like he has like an awkward body type where you would really have to, he seems kind of where his center of gravity isn't because he's lengthy. He looks like a little bottom heavy. David's like trying to I'm imagine just, yeah, his, I'm just, I'm, like I'm doing like the WebMD, <laughs> like trying to figure out what his body type looks like. Yeah, but, I just, I think it's it's so early for an him endomorph too. Endomorph or an exomorph. Yeah, okay. Right. Well, just what I'm saying is that I think guys like that have to fight a little, have to find that extra gear and find crafty ways to to navigate the pick and roll. And, and you have to be mentally focused the entire game and focused on defense. And I just don't think that at this point Jeremy Lamb is there. But I think being on a team like Charlotte and being with a coach like Clifford, you could watch and see if that develops. And if it doesn't, then he's got no excuse. Yeah, yeah, but it's one thing if he's like going through a screen and he gets demolished on the screen, but he's his guy is like is like several feet away by the time he gets and the shot's gone up, you know. And you're like, uh, dude, uh, your guy's in the corner, he's shooting a, a wide open shot. Where, where were you, you know? And I, I just wonder if that's a that's a mental element that that has held him back, you know, in his three year career thus far. You know, it's going to be interesting uh, to watch it develop. And then I think Hawes is another interesting bench guy because he came out on fire in that Bulls game, uh, knocking down a three and then dominating the boards there early. And then in the second half, just kind of let it slip away a little bit and missed a few plays defensively, wasn't participating all that much in, in rebounding. So there are a couple of question marks on this bench for sure. And Hawes will let it fly, though. He's not afraid. You know, you talk about one quality that this Hornets team has added, and and it's guys that are unafraid, guys that have confidence, despite their past. Because, like, Jeremy Lin and, and, or, yeah, Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lamb, and Spencer Hawes all have reasons to not be confident. Well, they're all three probably glad to be here, though, for just a breath of fresh air. Right. That's what I'm saying. They have reasons, but they're not. They are confident. In their abilities, they haven't sure. let those situations oh, no. drag them no. down mentally, no. No. and that's that's good character. That's good. that's good. Hey, real quick, what's what's the uh, starting lineup opening night? Whew, I thought it might be. I, I thought they might look at Lynn earlier in this week, but I I'm going to still say it's it's Kemba, Batum, Marvin, Cody, Big Al. I agree just because I think Clifford likes the size, opening up with that size, opening up with rebounding. Because I really think he thinks that like defensive rebounding early on sets the tone for a game. Like if you're giving up second chances in the first quarter. And that team should be able to, like we said before, that team should be able to rebound well. Right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So, and, and I think he likes Lynn and Lamb both coming off the bench and giving that shooting. So, those, yeah, I think both of us agree on that starting five. What say you, Adam? Okay, now I you're probably right. I, I was hoping that Lynn would. I was hoping that Lynn would crack it just because I love the way that they came out and played in Shanghai. There's just yeah. one game where he started, but it was just so much fun. It, it reminded me of uh, of like the the Suns a couple of years ago when Dragic and, and Bledsoe were playing together, yeah. and, when, and of like uh, you know when you, you, that type of team with dual point guards and and. Uh, and, it, and then you have Batum running some offense uh, on the wing as well. I just thought that'd be a lot of fun. Um, 
but I think that you're right. Clifford's, I mean, you have to give, you have to, I mean, we've seen Clifford now for, this will be our, what, our third season with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's pretty conservative. He's a pretty conservative coach. Um, and I, I think he'll, he'll veer towards, um, like you said, the defensive rebounding. Uh, I, think, awesome. I think he's conservative in the sense that he knows. He's risk averse. Yeah. Well, he know or he, he Better has an idea. David, he, he has risk averse. Yes, he has an idea of what he thinks makes a successful NBA team. And to hand it to him, he's played under a lot of guys that have had or played. He's coached under a lot of guys that have had NBA success. So he knows what he wants, and and he goes with that. And so he's conservative in that sense, not in the sense where he's like old school, back down Memphis. I don't. I don't think he's he's stuck in his ways you know, as much as some other guys. I mean, I mean, he's not unwilling to change. As we've seen, when he's got the tools, when he's got the players to to utilize a certain style of play, he'll do it, as we've seen in the preseason. I, I was kind of, like I said, I thought Lynn might be able to crack that starting lineup. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see. It wouldn't shock me if he was in there. And to me, that would be a major sign that, hey, we are not waiting around for this season to get started. We are going to go. It's with, go time. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> and, and that's, you know, we have seen that in the preseason. That would be a major We're, sign to me that they are, they are from day one, you know, let's try and, let's try and score the ball the best we can. That is Clifford essentially saying we're out of missiles. Yeah. We're switching to guns. At I think, that point. right. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be almost yeah. be like just Top gun ready pedal to, to the metal from day one. I mean, it'd be interesting. What, what, what one last note uh, on that that Clifford is he conservative or not uh, uh, tip is that did you happen to watch the New York feed for the the, the Knicks preseason game by chance? Only feed there was. Otherwise, okay. So those I I, the, the guys, <laughs> uh, the broadcast team. I think it was Mike Green who brought it up. Is that Clifford made it a point to say that there was you know in, in an NBA rotation you need to have you need to make your nine guys known. You need to let the guys know who's going to play and who's on the outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they said the night before uh, they played the Celtics and Brad Stevens was saying, Hey, every game it's going to be different, you know, cause we had matchups are different. Pace is different. Style is different. We're going to change the lineups, you know, depending on who we're playing and both very good coaches, obviously well-respected, but completely, uh, yeah. And antithetical, uh, philosophies. So, so you know, I mean, I think Clifford is more old school in that in that route because I think it was who, who's is it Clyde Frazier, the the next guy. He yes. was, yes. I think he was agreeing with with uh, with Clifford's uh, assessment that you know you need to have those, you need to know who's going to play and who's not. Um, that's more of a traditional viewpoint. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see because the, the Hornets roster, the way it stands now, they have so many pieces that are that are sort of interchangeable. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, is, there's like the Clippers, the, the, you know, you think about the Clippers, like last year's Clippers, the, the quality one through five versus what was, you know, six through 12, massive, massive drop off. Right. Whereas like the Hornets roster, you know, you could make a case that the, the guys at the end of the bench, I mean, is there that, that big of a quality differential between the guys who are in, in the bottom of the rotation and are the guys in the middle of the rotation that much worse than the guys at the top of the rotation they're they're very much like in the middle yeah, you know what i'm saying there's not a huge drop off as there has been yeah do you, so. do, do do you think do you think that there's a concern 
we brought this up a little earlier. If you start Lynn, then you might not have him as much to run with that second team. So maybe you're, you know, falling back on a Brian Roberts more than you wanted to. Do you think that plays into the thinking at all? I mean, you can still play Lynn with the twos, of course, but you know, I'm sure they'd like to have him come off the bench with them. Yeah, I think that's definitely an issue. I mean, that's one of the reasons. I mean, even and I love the way that they've played with Lynn, but if you're going to relegate him to the bench as a six man, I mean, that, then there's a reason for it. You definitely want him in there with at the start of the second quarter. Yeah, you know when things can go kind of flat. Yeah, and um, well, it's a, it's it's a one two it's a one two punch kind of thing. I mean, you know, it's tough to quantify, but I think if 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 it works, and you look back and you go, how many of these wins can we attribute to the fact that you had one, two, three better offensive players than the other team could provide off of their bench. And I don't think we get caught up in this a lot, and you mentioned this before, Doug. I think Jeremy Lin and Kimba Walker and Nick Batum are probably going to be playing in a lot of those crunch time situations, especially comeback scenarios where we have to have points. Those three guys are going to be out there look, whether, whether they look, start or not. They were against the this yeah. Bulls team, and they put the hammer down. Yeah, so a lot of times it's obviously not who starts. It's really who finishes and who who gets the minutes. So... That's going to be. I mean, he's played. Lynn has played himself into position to be in the conversation for for starting, uh, but without a doubt, being a huge part of this team to start the season at least, and looks to be, you know, uh, looks to be a key piece for that offense. Adam, you get the final word. Final word. Uh, final word is okay. Forty-four wins. Final words. That's, we'll give you a couple. I, I have forty-four wins. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking they're going to surprise people. They're going to win 44 games, and had MKG not gotten hurt, I think they could have really hit 50. Um, I just, I just feel like there's a lot of guys here who are who are out to prove something. Uh, I mean, there's you see the Zach Lowe today, 30th on the league pass rankings. You know, I mean, there's always going to be shade thrown at the Hornets. You know, everyone's yeah. second guessing you know, the, that that dummy owner and the dummy people in Charlotte. There's a lot of people who who want to who just assume that the Hornets are a joke. This is this is a lot of quality NBA uh, talent, and I, I see him hitting 44 and and Clifford getting some uh, serious Coach of the Year consideration. Optimistic views by Adam from BaselineBuzz.com. Great website, great guest. Thanks, Adam. As always, safe travels, you guys. Yeah, safe travels. Uh, try Thanks. to get some rest now and then, will you? Well, there. Hey, you, you know, we mentioned that second team and a guy we talked about, Jeremy Lamb. I, it really seems like, especially at the start of the season, mm-hmm. him going against other team twos, other teams twos, trying to build some confidence up there. Uh, play, other teams twos. Playing against that second unit for the opposition could be uh-huh. a way to kind of kickstart him and get him going. Not that he's, he hasn't been, I don't think he's been horrible. I think he's been pretty aggressive on offensive times, but, um, I like him coming off the bench with with that second team too. Well, and it signifies that, if possible, Clifford wants to find a way to get Nick Batum at two because that yeah. provides matchup nightmares for certain teams. Especially, I mean, think about Nick Batum versus Bradley Beal when you play the Washington Wizards. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna hurt some teams, and that's you know what the NBA is all about finding those mismatch mismatches. That's where the chess game is, right? And and I think Nick Batum wants to play the two. And so again, long term, mm-hmm. that's what you you, mm-hmm. you want to you know if, if there's a chance at re-signing Nick Batum, I think that that's a that's a good move if if Marvin works, and I think Marvin has proven over the past couple of games that he can keep up defensively because you don't need him offensively to play like a no. three, you need him defensively to be able to keep up with the threes, 
and he's been able to more than do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's a good problem to have for these guys, something they haven't always had. And, uh, you know, you have interchangeable pieces to some degree in a lot of those a lot of those lineups. Do you think Jeremy Lin keeps the hair? Well, yeah. Why not? I know, right? You can't. You can't, you can't do. You can't do anything when you're in on a streak like this. You don't mess with that. You don't wash your you don't underwear. Mess with that. You don't do anything. You don't mess with that. That's right. I don't know what the you know the Bulls. Uh, Stacey King didn't like it. The, the Bulls announcing crew last night. But listen. Well, they probably didn't like the result either. <laughs> um, but no, somebody uh, tweeted Pete Welly, who is uh, one of the top guys with the Hornets, and and talked about the bobblehead trying to get a Jeremy mm. Lin bobblehead. And I think Pete made reference to the hair, saying that might be a challenge. Oh, man. That's going to require some fine detail. Look, bobblehead, um, we're talking. We're talking. That's what, like, if you did that bobblehead with that hair, it might have to come with like a warning, like choke hazard, don't listen, have near children. Bobblehead night, wig night. Uh, Ooh. You know, headband, wig night. I'm just, I've got, I've got, you got a thousand I've, ideas. I've just, Hire this guy. I think about, I think You're about an it a idea, lot. man. All right, let's talk. Let's talk about fifteenth man. Let's talk about who is going to make this roster. There's only one roster spot left. There's a couple of guys eligible for it at this point. I think it's pretty much down. Correct me if I'm wrong. To Damian Wilkins, Aaron Harrison, and Troy Daniels. Oh boy, those yeah, are the three, right? I, think you're right? I mean, Sam Thompson and uh, and Washburn. They've made a valiant effort, uh, but they're they're pre- they're camp probably guys. not. Yeah, so. We bring Damian Wilkins in late. He's got a, a a three body, so that's not a rating. That's a, a small forward body. <laughs> um, do you think that that's more important to the Hornets at this point to get a guy who can guard a three, or do you go with Aaron Harrison, who seems to have the most upside? I played a great game against the Knicks, knocked down two threes can get to the rim, almost has an Eric Bledsoeian ability to get to the rim with that strength. Um, what's more important, potential or having that roster flexibility? Yeah. It's a tough question. It really is. I don't envy going, going into this, I was thinking they would do all they can to get shooting. So I think Troy Daniels had the lead uh, going into the preseason, I guess. I mean, that was just an awful game, though. Against yeah, the and that's unfortunate. But they brought him back for a reason. He knows the system. Uh, he's been in the NBA. He's a shooter, and that's what they need. I just don't know that. I just don't know that he's performed well enough for them to keep him around at this point. And they, you know, when that Damian Wilkins signing made news around the same time that MKG went down, it felt like they really were trying to get a veteran guy in there. That could be another body on defense and be a locker room presence. So you got to think they looked at him for a reason. And, you know, he might make the most sense now. I just don't know. It's going to be hard for Troy Daniels, especially like we said with PJ having a good game. How many of those guys are they going to keep? And I didn't even talk about Aaron Harrison, but I don't know. I thought if, if Lamb or, well, I thought if Kimba, when he went down with that injury, early in that Bulls game, I thought, well, if Kimba's hurt, yep. then maybe Aaron Harrison makes this team. I'm thinking all of these things as they're happening. I'm just getting news, tweeting, whatever. And then he comes back, and then Lamb gets hurt, and I go, well, maybe Damian Wilkins. <laughs> and that's thing. the crazy thing about the 15th man position. It's A lot of it depends on situation, but it would be really tough, I think, for the Hornets to pass up on Aaron Harrison's just raw 
skill and talent to hold on to that. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I honestly have no idea. Because you have a lot of guys saying, look, if Aaron Harrison gets released by the Hornets, there, somebody's going to grab him. Yeah. And then you're giving talent away to other teams, whereas Damian Wilkins, you probably don't have that. He was already nah, headed to You can find a, a Damian Wilkins. Can we get this D-League thing figured out? I think they can figure that out, right? I think anyone listening to us in Asheville is like, yes, let's get this figured out. Let's just Put get the it team going. here. Uh, you know, we already have concessions set up. Set up, we're ready to go. Yeah, that's going to be a tough decision. I mean, the way this team is headed. Prediction time, go. I'm going to say. I'm going to say Damian Wilkins. I'm going to say Aaron Harrison. Okay. Do you want to bet something? No, not at all. <laughs> Congratulations, Troy right. Daniels. Winner, you made the team. Winner has to get a Jeremy Lin Hawk. Will you sacrifice your um, hair? I'm pretty close. He's actually veering more towards me. You have you but almost we'll we'll you see. almost have a fade. You almost have like a like a very non aggressive fade. I'm not aggressive. So. I'm just saying it's just a non aggressive fade. Yeah. November seventh, people, <laughs> see with your own eyes. Has anyone else described your hair like that? Uh, my barber, maybe non You walked into the barber and said, "I want a non-aggressive fade." I was like, "Yeah, I need a like you know, like the the Will Smith fade. I need I a want, fade. I want that more docile, but just a lot more hair on the sides." Yep, that's it. That's it. It's very descriptive. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk. We got a couple more things to get through here before we head out. Um, Two more preseason games, one against uh, Indiana, one against Detroit. I may have those flipped. I do. Detroit first, then Indiana in Fort Wayne. That's and, cool. And the Hornets have some Indiana connections, obviously. Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller. I, fe- uh, I feel like I'm missing one. I feel like Hansbro played there. Right. Hansbro played there. So that'll be fun for the That's it. for the locals. Yeah. No, they're not going to wear their Hoosier uh, uniforms, are they? The Pacers. Probably not. They'll probably save those for the regular season. You've seen these, right? I have They're actual. They're 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 wearing the uniforms from the movie Hoosiers. Do you? You've, How about, I've seen. Okay. This. Okay. Yeah. How short are the shorts? They're very long. They're not. They're not true to form on length, but the colors are all the same. That doesn't feel right. So look out for this. That feels like you're going halfway. Yeah. Actually, by going longer, you're going halfway. Ironic, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, they probably won't wear those. It's like a non-aggressive fade. Um, so these two games, I think they're really important for the Hornets, and they're really important for fans to uh, uh, try to at least check in on the box score and just see how many minutes the guys are playing because neither of them are going to be on television. Uh, that was my next question. Nope. So you will have to do some hunting on – I'm not even going to talk about it. Nope. You know. You nope. guys know. I, hardcore Hornets fans know. I'm not, I don't even have to say it. So – I think these are two important games because, A, they're against teams that we've profiled to a certain extent. We've talked to Roger Steele about the Pistons, and they're two teams that the Hornets will be battling with for some of those final playoff spots, and it gives a chance to see really how this rotation is going to shake out because Clifford has made clear that time's up. He's got to figure out who's yeah. going to play when. Yep. And you get a chance to go up against a newly formed Pacers roster with another high-paced offense. You got Monta Ellis. You've got 
a small four, that'll be interesting because you got Cody Zeller up against, I mean, matchup mm-hmm. to matchup, you've got Cody Zeller up against Paul George. Yeah. That could be a problem. That could be an issue. Although Paul George has had, you know, some adjustment issues at the four. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a, that's that's what you might call uh, a matchup nightmare. Right. Yeah. So there are going to be teams that the Hornets starting five struggle with. Yeah. And, and that could be one of them. So that's what's interesting to watch against Indiana. And then I think against the the Pistons, you've got Stanley Johnson continuing to impress, continuing to make his case to be a starter already yeah. for a legitimate team and making Hornets fans a little jealous that, that he got taken one spot. Oh, I say Hornets fans. I really mean me because I love Frank. I love what he's done this, mm-hmm. this preseason. But I was a big Stanley Johnson fan, and I knew that he was going to to impress early on. You just don't you don't have that kind of body, and and that NBA ready body with that ability to shoot and something not happen. They like him. They, they like do. him more than uh, more than uh, our, our our friend Justice Winslow. Apparently, hey, I guess because they took. Him. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, GMs, NBA general managers like him because he was voted. I don't have it here. It's like the one that I didn't pull from the GM survey that they did right. for NBA.com, but he was voted the biggest steal of the draft, Justice no, Winslow. Winslow, yeah. Right. Of course. No, no, not Johnson. Of I think course. Johnson went exactly – I think John, well, I think Johnson got a few votes because I think guys expected Johnson to go in the top five, and he falls to eight. Right. Well, that's been the theme of the summer, and we can finally almost put that to bed, hopefully. Let's talk about that NBA general manager survey. Uh, I was glad it came out. This is a, a couple of these things. The the league pass rankings from low, the GM survey, they always come out right before the season. Fun things to look at. Do they mean all that much? Not really, but they're fun. So let's take a, a look at a couple of the categories. There weren't many where the Hornets got a few <laughs> votes. I'm just being honest. I mean, yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that derisively. I mean, they just didn't. Uh, what was the most underrated player acquisition? Batum receiving... Some votes, that's all it says. Uh, Ty Lawson uh, topped that, or actually tied, with Paul Pierce and David West. Ty Lawson going to Houston, Paul Pierce to the Clippers, David West to San Antonio, each receiving 10.3%. Again, this is a survey of all the NBA general managers. Which head coach makes the best in-game adjustments? Hey, Steve Clifford also receiving votes. Good to know, and good to hear. So even though we say he's conservative, we say that he likes he's still capable of making in game adjustments when they're necessary. Hey, real quick, not to interrupt you. Which one player acquisition will make the biggest impact? Number four, DeAndre Jordan, LA Clippers. Or is that is that it's counting, I guess, as an acquisition? He didn't go anywhere. He did for like an hour. That's a re that's a that's a retrain. A reacquisition. Because the, the, the first was the Marcus Aldridge, second was Ty Lawson. So he's not really under the radar. And three was Greg Monroe. It's like if a girl breaks up All with you. All new teams. Like if, if a, if a, and last year was LeBron, other, new team. A significant other breaks up with you and you talk them back into getting back together. That doesn't mean you have a new significant other. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Just a weird thing. It's not an so. acquisition. It's weird. So Ty, right. <laughs> okay. Ty Lawson was voted number two in the best player acquisition, but number one in the most underrated player acquisition. <laughs> It all makes sense, oh, right? Voting. Uh, which head coach has the best defensive schemes? Steve Clifford, ranking number four, the only Hornet or member of a Hornet organization to rank at all in this 
in, in this GM survey in any category. That's no joke. That uh, that's six point nine percent. Greg Pop, thirty one percent. Dave Yeager, Yeager, twenty seven point six percent. Steve Kerr, thirteen point eight percent. Steve Clifford and Jason Kidd tying for six point nine percent. And that, to me, I think in the NBA, and this is just me thinking. So take that for what you will. But I think coaching. NBA coaching, they have a lot to do with the defensive scheme. But I think offensively, I think it's more in the hands of the guys who are out there. I think there's some like philosophical things about pace and different things that go into the offense. Right. But I think in terms of just executing the offensive plan, I, I think a lot of it is guys just going out there and and because things break down often. And I think defensively, it, it's more in the head coach's arena mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's more of a more of a uh, because well, defense for for a player i think defense is, is a lot about focus and effort and offense is, is is more about skill and execution okay yeah i mean a little more we're going we're going we're, yeah. we're getting sort of an nba inception here we're going deep but i'm just saying i think it's more important for steve clifford to be noticed for his defensive schemes because i think that's okay. more coachy if that's a thing He's more coachy. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, that's good. You don't really agree with me. That's okay. Which player is the fastest with the ball? John Wall. I pulled this one. It has nothing to do with the Hornets. I just thought it was interesting. John Wall for the Wizards in our division. 53.4%. Over half of the GMs think he's the fastest player with the ball. Maybe that's why Kimba does so well. Because they're too... Now, Kimba didn't rank on this. but of course not. But they're quick. They're both quick, so maybe that's why. Russell Westbrook, 32.8%. think he's the fastest with the ball. Yeah, I think it's Lawson, man. All these guys are really fast. Wow. They were going into overtime, so time for one last thing. Oh, wait, wait. Can I jump on something real quick? We're all in overtime anyway. Hey, so MKG, no votes, no mentions in any of the defensive. uh, And I don't know if that's an an injury type thing. You know, let's end with this because (laughs) it's a point that I forgot to bring up in the interview with Adam. He sort of ended on it, and I wanted to follow up. And and as I do with a lot of things in the show, I forget because there's a lot to get to. Uh, There's a lot to talk about with the Hornets. It goes by fast. It does. It's only an hour, folks, and I hope you enjoy it. Um. And I think this goes along with the MKG not getting any love in the defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. uh, defensive all-defense teams, and in this GM survey. I tweeted this out on the Hive Talk uh, Twitter. You have to, and I think Clifford would agree with this and may have alluded to this at some point in some post game. You have to do things multiple years to earn respect. Sure. People, people, and especially national guys, they're not going to look, they're not going to evaluate what you've done in the preseason. They're not going to evaluate your potential. They're going to look and say, what did they do last year? What did they do the year before? Have they had sustained success? No? Okay, no respect. Has MKG been able to stay on the floor and be a consistent defensive threat on the floor? Oh, yeah. For 80, for, you know, for 70 plus games? No. No respect. Yeah, I know. And and again, that's, that's the only solace I can offer fans is that. Just embrace right that. <laughs> He's out for the season. All right. Yeah. Embrace that and then just take joy when they do well. Yeah. Uh, it's still because I, I understand we know. how it can be frustrating to look down at this, especially when they say the best perimeter defender, <laughs> they drill down even further than just, you know, who's best on defense. Uh, some of the guys receiving votes Damari Carroll, Iguadala, 
Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Russell Westbrook, all good defenders. Kawhi Leonard, Tony Allen, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, one, two, three, four. So, you know, all good defenders. I, I think you could certainly put him in the also receiving votes category and not feel bad about it. This is Hornets talk for the hardcore fans. So we know, like we evaluate each preseason game closely. We know what the deal is. We know this Hornets team has transformed. And now all the Hornets have to do is go out and prove it. Yeah, just interesting. Not surprising, and, and, to be and, honest. And I'll but. guarantee you one thing. if the, Even if the Hornets get out to a hot start, there'll be some writers out there going, oh, look, they're surprising people. They're not surprising us. And that that respect won't be earned until next season or the season after. But it has to happen first. Sure. And we'll, be, we'll sure. be here all along the way. We'll be watching. We will be watching. We'll be analyzing. We'll be doing a Saturday show. We'll be doing a live show on November 7th. November 7th, Fitzgerald's, 7 o'clock. Fitzgerald's. Do it. Uh, That'll do it for us, friends. Thanks to our guest, Adam Chin, from BaselineBuzz.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live to get the latest on showtimes and that sweet insider Hornets info. Hive Talk Live is a production of SB Nation and AtTheHive.com. For previews, recaps, and more on your Charlotte Hornets, Visit at thehive.com. This has been Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Let's swarm, Charlotte. Never just be you and me.